But before I get into the message, I'd like to read a little something here about bringing children to church. And you see the youth choir. And I'm telling you, the ones that are little, five and under, they're doing well. They're all doing good, but you, you notice that they're not shy or backwards. And that's because they're getting started early enough to where it becomes normal. But it's a little something for you for the moms and your grandmas. It says, there you are at church. Your baby or toddler is restless, perhaps even a little boisterous. You try to silence them and nothing. You try to pacify them with food or toys and nothing. Eventually, you resort to the last thing you wanted to do. You pick them up, and before a watching audience, you make the march out of the church. All the while, you're a little embarrassed, maybe a little frustrated too. You might even think to yourself, there's no point in coming to church. I get nothing out of it because I have to constantly care for my kid. Well, I want your mothers and your fathers to know how encouraging you are to so many. The elderly woman who often feels alone, she beams with a smile at the sight of you wrestling with your little ones. She's been there before. She knows how hard it can be, but she smiles because to hear that brings back precious memories. Seeing young parents and their small children brighten her day. She may have just received bad news about her health, but seeing the vitality of young ones removes, if but for a moment, her fears. The older man who always seems to be grouchy, he notices you too. He's always talking about how children in his day have no or how children in this day have no respect or senses of goodness. But he sees you, a young family in church every week, like clockwork. He can open or depend on the sight of you and your young family. You give him hope that maybe the church isn't doomed after all because there are still young parents who love God enough to bring their restless children to church. Bring your children to church. If we don't hear crying, the church is dying. And you know that's been my motto these last 10 years. When I first come down here 10 years ago, there was no children. There was no children crying or in the services. They weren't allowed. I like to hear the children. And I, <laughs> I understand that a four-year-old, a three-year-old, or a five-year-old is struggle to sit for 45 minutes to 50 minutes in a service. Got it. But I like to hear the bustle and the hustle of the little kids as they interact. They're not disturbing. Now, if they pitch a fit and cry and you can't get them quieted, of course. But you'll know when that time is. But I know all, a lot of times that the parents, they feel like, I, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> There's one of those deals. <laughs> and I heard you all in there. I got news for you. <laughs> I hadn't picked up on that one yet. It's important to bring those children to church. It's important that they're here. And why is you're helping set in their little lives priorities, what is important. And it could be us that's in the Ukraine this morning trying to sing praises to God underneath an overpass. I don't know if you all seen that, but there were Christians singing to God underneath the overpass. And Ukraine is the country that sends the most Christian missionaries out of its country into Europe. 
I didn't know if you know that. So there's multiple things going on there. Now, uh, again, on Sunday nights, I'm preaching and teaching my way through Revelation again. There's some things that's changed since the last time we've been down through there. But I assure you, what you see going on right now is fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And let me tell you what the Bible says. China and Russia will join together to be one of the last, greatest, most powerful, most deadly empires ever in the history of the world and they will be responsible for slaughtering millions millions of people so the bear that's what the bible calls russia it's gog and magog they're on the move we're close my advice to people uh even if your christians are lost is you better get in because God's getting ready to call His bride away. Uh, this church, the church has been under serious persecution for the last 2,000 years. And God's, I'm telling you, has had a belly full of it. We're about out of here. Now, I'm not trying to date the rapture. But our churches should be filled this morning because there's places in this world where they're not churches and they're not allowed to have church services and they're being bombed, they're being shot and they're being slaughtered. Thank God we got a place that we can come. Thank God that we got a place where we can bring our children and let them learn and sing about God. It's right and it's wholesome and that's what's wrong with this world. Your children are an encouragement, and I love the children, and I love our youth choir. Uh, I love what's going on there, and they're, they're a blessing to this church. Your children are a blessing to this church. You say, man, it's, it's hard to get them up on a Sunday morning and get them here. Look, you keep doing it, moms. You keep doing it, dads, because it'll be worth it in the end. Uh, a church is more important than any kind of ball practice. Uh, church is more important than anything else you could do with them. Church is important. Now we have some families out, and I know we got some families that are generally here, but they're sick this morning. They got stomach bugs, and uh, we got some other young ones that are sick, so their sickness is going through. But I wanted to read that by way of encouragement to your moms and your grandmas. You try to make sure your grandchildren are here. Your moms and dads try to work hard to bring your children, and you're like, I, I don't know why I'm, I spend most of my time in the nursery, uh, or I'm in and out. You're not embarrassing anybody. You're not frustrating anybody uh, when you got to get up and go out and take children out or you work with them while they're in the pew it does not bother nobody if it does you let me know because I'll have a word with them because what happens when we don't have children in the service is our church will die if you don't hear children crying the church is dying you've got to have the lambs they're important very important. Jesus said, suffer the little children. And one of the things we learned when God cleansed that temple out of there is those people had run the children out of the church service. And the first people group that come back in there after God drove them out with a whip and turned the tables over was the children were back in the house of God singing Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. And so that's important. Now Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now that I've warmed up and I've got my appetizer in, uh, I'm, I'm ready to preach. And I, I want to preach and, and be a blessing to you this morning. Hopefully I'm an encouragement. But if not, I'll at least give you something to think about or maybe something you haven't noticed or knew. So verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he says, Now these are the commandments. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you 
that you might do them in the land, whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. <coughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now here's our text. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then be aware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of the bondage. Our gracious Father, we come, Lord, help us today. As we spend a few moments of our time on children and this subject of children and how we should train them, Lord, open our eyes and help us. Teach us from the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, before I get into the message, I want to thank our visitor for coming. I'm not trying to point her out or embarrass her in any way, but uh, it is nice to have her in our service. You make sure that you uh, shake her hand and welcome her warmly to the church. And thank you uh, for coming today and, and taking part uh, in our service. Now, this morning, you see I've got something written up here. I didn't come up with it. It was, it, it was a, it, this is a, Something I added to a quote, and it was a quote by a famous football coach. I don't remember the name, because at the time when I seen it, I, I didn't think I would ever use it. But his quote was uh, uh, something about winning, and, and he was a coach that did a lot of winning, and they said, oh, wow, you know, you're just winning. But I kind of changed it around. It is not original, but I changed it around just a little bit for our message and I wanted to emphasize a part. It says, it's been said, to succeed in life is not in the will to succeed. Everyone has the will to succeed. Now, the original quote was, uh, it's not in the will to win because everyone has a will to win. Everybody wants to be a winner. And then he says, to succeed, you have to have the will to prepare. There's the word I want. And this is what I've added, to prepare to succeed. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, on preparing children for life. 
preparing your children, our children, for adult life. Uh, in these 10 years, uh, I've run across so many people uh, that were not prepared for adult life. They have grown up into a, a fairy tale, a life where everything was done for them. Everybody did something for them. They've never had responsibility. They don't even know what their worldview is. And so they get 21 and they're lost. They don't know what they're doing, where they're going, or what to do. And it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. Because right here in the Word of God, the Lord is covering this subject on what the parents should teach their children. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that word train is action. It's a verb. That means work. work. It's, it's work to train children. It is a full-time job and it wears you out. But it is biblical. It's what God says to do to train children. Train them up in the way they should go. And so today's big dogma is, well, I don't want to ever influence my child. I want them to find their own way uh, emotionally. I want them to find their own way uh, in, in life and make up their own minds. Let me tell you something. There's a danger to that because the devil or the world will come along and they'll begin to influence them and put input into them and they'll be all goofed up. We've got a whole generation that don't know who they are. You've heard people say, well, I just got to try to find myself. You should have found yourself by the time you was about 12, 13 years old. And if you didn't, there's a problem. Too many children today are not being prepared for life. And our text here, here in verse 7, he said, diligently teach them. Now that word diligently, it means steady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it means earnestly, yeah. Uh, it means with energetic effort. It means active. That means as a mommy and a daddy or a grandma and a grandpa, uh, you're going to have to take an active role. You've got to learn how to be proactive in the life of that child. This Bible is clear to say that when children are left to themselves, that means to make their own mind up on right and wrong, it ends up in disaster. Here's what the Bible says. In Proverbs 29, verse 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself. See, God already knew this would be a popular philosophy. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You see, it's the devil's philosophy that says, just leave your children alone. You've heard, probably heard it kind of like this. Well, that's just Johnny. It's just how he is. No, that's, you know, no, that's how Johnny is when you leave him alone. Yeah. And I got news to you. Children want to be left to themselves. They want to be left alone. <laughs> You're not mine. Well, wait till they get to the teenage years. 
okay? Teenage years. Children do not want to be taught. A lot of your struggles is going to be teaching your children how to do things, and they don't want to learn. Yet, remember, a potty training, they didn't want to do that. Remember trying to teach them how to eat with a fork? They didn't want to do that. They wanted to eat with their hands and eat with their mouth like a dog and throw food all over the place. Why? Because that's our natural state <laughs> when we're left to themselves. So children, they don't want to be taught. They want to be left to themselves. And children do not want to be confronted on their wrong thinking. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. You'll find, you, you remember people say, oh, you know, they're just teenagers. You can't do nothing with a teenager. Yeah, that's the problem. That's when it's got to be confronted. It should have been confronted way earlier. Because by the time they get into their teen years, their mind is working. And they can reason Sometimes almost as well as an adult. And you got to be there to make sure that with their thinking is going astray, that you're there to help mold it and to direct it and put it in the right direction. But children, they do not want their foolishness pointed out. Boy, I remember my old pappy. You know, you know me, all of you know me. It's hard for me to keep my mouth shut sometime. I've always been that way. I've always been pretty opinionated. Even when I was 12 and 13 and 14, I thought I had something to offer to an adult conversation. And my father was constantly reminding me, you sound pretty dumb. Matter of fact, Todd, you're really not as smart as you think you are. And the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. Because you'll look a lot smarter. God gave you two ears and one mouth. That means listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> I mean, after all, what's a 14-year-old know about life? Nothing. And my pappy always said, look, <laughs> experience is better than a good ideal any day. Amen. Amen. And see, you need a daddy involved in your life. You need a mommy involved in the life. You need a grandpa and a grandma that'll point the foolishness out. Say, hey, you're not thinking about that quite right. My dad was all the time saying, now look, that's pretty silly. Why are you doing it like that? Why are you thinking like that? And my dad, he'd call it out. And of course, we always thought that was cruel and mean and unusual, not right. Oh, no, 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 no. Daddy wasn't going to let it just go on because you kind of be kind of some kind of weirdo when you grow up with weird thinking and you'll have a closed mind because it's never been confronted or challenged. That's why we got a bunch of weirdos running around in this world. That's why. That's why uh, I was telling the, the young couples the other night, uh, when it comes to young boys coming up into their teens, they really, really, really need a father. They need a father more than they need a mother. Now little girls, when they come in the teenage years, it's more important that they have a mother than a father. Now, we've got a lot of single mothers that's got to do dual duty. They got to be try to be father and mother. And mothers, uh, anybody listen to my voice, if that's you, then you need to get them in church and you need to get them around a father figure in that church. 
There you go. There you go. And so I'm working with our children now. That's why I'm teaching the teen class and the kids class and I'm involved. I want our children always comfortable with coming to their pastor. They should never be afraid. They should never be intimidated. They should feel free to bring things and to talk with their pastor. Just like they should feel free to talk with their parents or grandparents. Sometimes because of tragedies in life. Maybe the parents, are, or, or they die like times of war. And then the grandparents have to step in and try to be a, a mom and a dad. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of life. Family is important. Now here's what the Bible says about children. You've got to know this. In Proverbs 22, he says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. You can rest assured that your child is going to be full of foolishness. They do not come out of the womb good. You never have to teach them how to lie. You never have to teach them how to... Has anybody ever to teach their kids how to throw a fit? No, no. No, they know how to do that. You never have to teach them how to think of themselves first, right? You never have to uh, teach them how to speak up for themselves and cry. They come out of the womb crying for a bottle, to be fed, to be held. It comes naturally wired that way. And as they get a little longer, children love foolishness. And they like to be fooled with. But then they come into the teen years, and they're not like little kids no more, and they come into those teen years, and the Bible's telling you that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, and it's your job, whether you're a guardian, a parent, a grandparent, to help drive that foolishness, it's got to be confronted from them. Or they'll grow up and be an adult fool. A child that is left unto himself bringeth his mother a shame. There's a lot of shamed mothers today. A lot of shamed mothers. So you say, preacher, what do we do? I believe right here in verse 7, there's many ways I could have preached this. I could have actually made a series of this. But I just want to hit it with one message, and then we'll come back to it again at another time. It's in our verse here in verse 7. We see three things that we're to be doing for our children. He says, thou shalt teach them diligently. So number one this morning, we need to focus on preparing our children to succeed in life. Remember last week I was preaching on the men? I said there were five mile markers in a man's life that determine... When he becomes an adult. One, what was the first one? The first one was leaving home. Becoming financially independent. Uh, finishing school. Finishing school, leaving home, financially independent, getting married, having children. Those are the five mile markers that says that you're mature, you made it. I didn't make that up. That's, a, that's according to uh, the Census Bureau. Less than one-third of the men today in this country, by the time they're 30, have not reached those five mile markers. They're still lost. A lot of them don't even complete high school. They're dropouts. 
You want to succeed in life? Finish school, get you a job, don't have children out of wedlock. You say, man, I thought you were going to be friendly <laughs> and nice. No, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's too much lie in the world. There's too much, there's too much meringue and not enough pie in the world. We need a little more pie and not too much meringue. I like meringue, but you'll find me. I don't like a lot of meringue. I, I'm, I'm for the pie. Get me to the pie. And you'll see if I have a table. Why am I on food? <laughs> They make great illustrations. If I got a, a, a whole table full of pies and you might have made a homemade lemon meringue pie, don't be upset if I don't eat none because I'm going to be over there in the apple pie and in the cherry pie and the, and, and the other pies that don't have too much meringue, too much fluff. I'll eat it if I have to. And I'll be okay. I would never complain, trust me. And you can make me one if you want to because I'd eat it. But if I have a choice, I'll eat the other. So he says we need to teach them. And that come on the heels of, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He say, Preacher, what should I teach my child? As soon as your child comes out of that womb, even before, you should be teaching them about their purpose. That life is precious. And you need to help mold their worldview. And if you're a Christian, I'm preaching to Christians. I'm not preaching to this lost heathen devil crowd. We'll preach to them another time. I'm preaching to so-called Christians this morning. You need to make sure that your child has a biblical worldview. That means they have purpose in this life. They're not here by accident. They're not an accident. God put them here for a reason. They need to have a biblical worldview. It means God created. God created us. We're not heathenistic. We're not pagan. We don't believe in evolution. Uh, we believe in creation. And we have a purpose. We have a creator. That'll help your child answer the three main questions in life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going, if anywhere, when I die? Christianity, this Bible has the answer to those three questions. Philosophy does not have the answer, but God does. And we need to be teaching our children that we are morally obligated to God. There is a right, there is a wrong. We're here, according to the Bible, to obey God's command. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's a purpose. And he says you need to teach diligently your children their purpose in this life. They're not here for people to give them free stuff. They have a purpose and one of the purpose is to glorify God and to keep His commandments. We're children of God. I, one of these guys says, we're made in the image of God, so act like it. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I've been teaching our teens these last couple of weeks, if we're Christians and children of God, we need to look like it. So the world can tell the difference between holy and profane. You say, I knew I didn't like you. You're old-fashioned. Yes, I am. That's why I'm not up in here in skinny jeans and spiked hair. 
I'd do that on Mondays. No. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm old school. And it might cost me something in the years to come because they're going to start cracking down on that stuff. Well, they'll just have to crack down on it because it's right. Our duty is to obey God. And we need to teach our children that their purpose is to bring glory and honor to God. Look what Revelation says in 4, chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I was telling our children, when you come in and you're singing into youth choir, remember this, when you come Come into the house of God. It's God that is the audience. We're not here to be entertained. Now, some, we, we enjoy good singing. And we do good singing, but we sing what we sing because God is watching. And it makes God happy when His children bring glory and praise to His name. But that's not what's going on in most churches today. We got a hip-hop band. I was watching a service uh, this week, and I didn't intend to say this, but I will because I've been meditating on it. And he was having a book burning, you know. He, he, was, he, was, he said he was, he was uh, uh, fighting it and taking it to the devil. You know, he's burning all his Harry Potter books and all that stuff. Amen, whatever, whatever you want to do. But I'm watching because I wanted to see what he was doing. And he had a praise band, and let me tell you something. There it is. There's that, there's that catchphrase. I'd have started with the cleansing, witchcraft cleansing, with his praise team. They're all dressed in black. They all had, they looked like hoodlums. Rock and roll band right in the church. Boom, ba ba boom, boom. And he's sitting there telling you how, how close he is to God and how the devil's mad. I got news for you. The devil's cruise right behind you, buddy. Start there. It's a mess. People think that God's not watching and it doesn't matter how we present ourselves in the, in the house of God. That it's okay whether you're not holy or not. We need to look holy. I mean, I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking about the lost. And I was explaining that to our teens that everybody is free to come to church. They're going to come in. This church is open to everybody. They can have tattoos, ear, I don't care what it is. They can sit in the pew. We're going to be nice to them because they need Jesus and they have purpose. But buddy, when they get saved, the Lord begins to work in them. And then you let the Lord work in them and let the Lord bring them along and you love on them and help them. But you give them and show them and teach them what is their purpose and it's to bring glory and honor to God. We need to teach them about their purpose. We need to teach them life truths. I just jotted a few down. Instead of teaching your children, well, that ain't my rights. I got a right. Always worried about your rights. How about teaching your children what their responsibilities are? We got people that's more concerned about their rights, and rights are important. I, I love the freedom of speech. Don't, don't get me wrong now. But here's a problem. We're overemphasizing what's in it for us 
and underemphasizing our obligations and responsibilities. That's why we got homes that get split up and then daddy, mommy's got to take daddy to court just to get a little support to help feed his kids. Why? Because everybody's worried about their rights and not about what their obligations are. Shame. Here's something else you should teach your kid. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you nothing. <laughs> you can enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You need to go get it. <laughs> I've said this before, I'll say it again, because my pappy was one of his principles. There's no such thing as a free lunch. People all into this free stuff. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Everything has a value to it. And if somebody's giving you something, that's because they're trying to sell you something. Always remember that. If they're giving you something, it's because they're trying to sell you something. Work involves sweat. Oh, I could go on for days. I remember my dad, I'd be out in the garden. You know when you're bent over in a garden, your back starts hurting? Hey, I could find a bucket on a place that had no buckets, but I'd find one. And I'd be out there in that garden, weeding the garden, sitting on a bucket. My dad come out there, you can never do anything right sitting on a bucket. Get off the bucket. I don't know if y'all had daddies like that. But he, he, <laughs> he was right. You're working too hard not to work. Work involves sweat. Toil. If you want to eat, you better work. And you know, I like to eat. My dad, that was a principle. That's a Bible principle. And, and so I had to work. I had to, earn, I had to earn my keep. And that is right. But we need to teach our children that church is important. Folks, church is important. It is necessary. I understand we're living in the Laodicean time period, but we do not have to be Laodicean. We don't have to be cold on God. We don't have to be lukewarm on God. We don't have to live our lives like we're rich and creased with goods and have need with nothing. We need God. You need to teach your children. They need God. We need to teach them about purity. Purity in the home. Convictions. That's how we keep our standards, which are our principles. And then priorities. Let me give you three priorities in life that you should be teaching your children. God first, family second, then ministry. God first, family second, ministry. Say, so why are you saying it like that? Because there's too many preachers that abandon their families and they go to pot just so they can stay ministry. God first, family second, ministry third. You do not sacrifice your family for ministry. Now, I might get a little flack on that, but that means you need to go back to Genesis and study. God created the family before ministry let me tell you something here we are again i'm in that telling mode i guess 
Noah spent 120 years. He had ministry, but his family came first, and he didn't lose his family. And that was the only converts he had. But he did what God told him to do, and God said he was successful. God first, family second, ministry third. You say, why are you saying like that? Because I've been on the phone with some pastors that are losing their families. Their families are hurting because churches are mistreating pastors and their families. And they're struggling because they know they've been called to pastor. And what I tell them is, yes, God has called you to pastor, but you don't have to pastor there. And if you're losing your children and they're becoming bitter on God and you're to the point where you're so bitter that you're not even going to be in ministry, you might need to move on because the brook's dried up. And you need to get into Mark chapter 5 over there where God says, dust, the, dust off your feet on them and walk on. And go somewhere where they want the gospel. Go somewhere where they want a pastor. Go somewhere where they want a man of God. About nine years back, we had some trouble here. And I was so very, very concerned for my wife because my children were gone. Was you still living at home? Kara was still at home. Nathan was already gone, if I remember right. Maybe he wasn't. But I monitored them every day because I'm not going to lose my wife because I got a bunch of devils in a church that doesn't like what God has to say or what God wants to do. I'll move on. But she took it and went through it better than I did. You, we got to monitor and have and teach our children the the importance of family daddies get off your smartphones and interact with your children your wife which brings me to the next point he says to teach them but then he says thou shalt talk of them i talked with the young men about this i want to say this the only time that you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your child should not be when they're in trouble that should, that should not be the only time you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your children is when they're in trouble. That sets a psychological barrier in their mind that they're not going to be able to deal well with one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face relationships because they're always afraid because the only time they've ever had that interaction is when they're in trouble. You're like, oh. And they dread it. You need to be having fun time with your children. You need to be having teaching time with your children. And there needs to be time when you and that child, and you need to spend time with each one, however many you have, and spend good times with them because they don't get conditioned psychologically that the only time you want to put everything down and focus solely on them is when they're in trouble. That is not right. He said you need to talk to your children. You need to talk to them about the Bible. You need to talk to them about what's right and what's wrong. You need to talk to them about good and evil. You need to talk to them about God and Satan. You need to talk about these things when you're sitting down in your house, in the living room. You need to talk about them when you're walking outside. I remember many conversations with my dad, just him and me, we would talk about things of life. I remember my dad having the talk with me. And I don't mean that talk. I mean he was going to talk to me and give me the talk about what a man's obligations are. He says, you're a man. Do you know how you know you're a boy? We had that conversation. you got to have that conversation. 
You never know. You might have a boy that has a hormone imbalance and he might get his mind whacked out and he might be feeling something different. Got a big problem with that today. You need a daddy. He said, no. Do you understand you're a boy? You're going to be a young man. Yes, sir. You understand how that works? Yes, sir. Well, because you're a man and you were created and God made you a man and God's perfect and God never does anything wrong. <laughs> Let me stop here and put something funny in. <laughs> I always wished I was a woman when it come time to go to work with dad. Don't think nobody else ever has these problems when they're getting in those teen years. They're like, I don't want to go to work. I want to stay home. Be a girl. <laughs> you ain't a girl. Now, y'all don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> Teenagers coming in those ages have thoughts like that. They'll do anything to get out of work and obligation and responsibility. Dad said, hey, you little billy goat. You get up and get you a bath and you're going to work. So you, <laughs> dad was military man, so you got five minutes. <laughs> I won't finish the rest of that. But shower, <laughs> going to the bathroom and shaving was part of that. <laughs> dad didn't use bad language in the house. <laughs> and you're going to do it because you're a boy, you're a man. And by the way, one day you're going to fall in love with Miss Wright. And you're going to have to know how to take care of a family and what your responsibilities and your obligations are. We need to teach our children that. We need to talk uh, up to them before bedtime. We always had family devotions at bedtime in the living room. Where we'd sit around and dad would read us a Bible story from the Word of God and then open it up for questions. Learn a lot of my Bible like that. Allow your children, I'm going to emphasize this, to ask questions. The great scourge of our day is we talk at our children, we don't talk to them. You need to hear what your child is thinking. Ask them, get off your phone, get off the video game, turn the TV off, and ask them about their day. Ask them, how do you feel about going to church? Ask them, how do you feel about living for God? How do you feel about this Bible story? And why is because you want to hear their honest thoughts so you can help them and help direct them in the right path. We don't ever do that, and that's why kids grow up and they turn into monsters. It's been there the whole time and we wouldn't talk with them. And then all of a sudden they get hurt in church somewhere and then they get bitter on God and they say, if that's Christianity, if this is a Christian home, I don't want it. And you can't blame them. You can't blame them. You can't blame them. We need to allow our children to talk. You want to know what's going on in that little mind. You want to know how they're thinking. But last of all, he said you need to bind them, verse 8. That's to tie them. You need to tie your children to the Bible. You need to tie them to the Word of God. Everything that you believe and the things that you do should have a Bible reason. And I've spent the last two weeks giving our youth groups, our teen boys, a Bible reason 
for our youth choir and how they should look and how they should present themselves. And I've taken it right out of the Bible and then opened it up. I want to hear their thoughts. I want to hear what they're thinking and how they're thinking about it. Not because I'm going to do what they're thinking, but I want to help them and guide them in the right path. You've got to have these conversations with your kids or somebody else will. And they won't love them and care about them like you do. And you need to tithe your children to the Word of God. Everything should have a biblical answer. So you need to tie them and let them memorize it. You need to let them sing it. And you need to let them live the Word of God. What I'm saying is, a lot of us have church once a week. And that's the problem. You need to live church every day in front of your children. And you need to tie your children to church. It is important. Because God is important. And the home and the church should be on the same page. You see, we're having church, but we don't live church. So so soon as church time is over, they're back to being heathenistic. And then they don't have church until the next week, and they don't understand what's going on. You're just teaching them how to be a hypocrite. You've got to live church every day. You've got to live it, not have it. And you need to tie your children To God and to prayer. Because that's what it's going to be. It's what it's going to take to get them through lives. And like I said, don't just have church. Live church. I believe these things, these three things are very important when we're dealing with children. And you can start that from day one. I want you parents to understand this. That Moses, when he was born, he only got to spend five years with his real mama. And after that, he was raised with Pharaoh's daughter in public education and all the philosophies of the world. But because his mama trained him right between the ages of one and five about God and what his purpose was and who he was, And where he was going when he died, the Bible says over there in Hebrews chapter 11, when he become of age, he chose to bear the reproach of the cross and not to live in the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I believe in Christian education also. But if you do your job right in the home and you tie them to the Word of God, the Bible, prayer, and the church, a good Bible-preaching church. There's a good chance that when they come of age, they'll be like Moses, and they'll choose, because the Bible says you train them up in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. I didn't say they wouldn't backslide, go astray. I'm saying the Bible says when they're old, they won't depart. They'll come back around. Things come full circle. Moses didn't get a grip till he was 40. I've told some of you folks, men, I was about 34. <laughs> 34, 35, I got a grip. <laughs> like, no, I'm serving God not because my dad mom told me to. Because I know it's right. And then that training kicked in. We need to teach our children 
We need to talk to our children. Not at them, to them. But then we need to tie them. Bind them to the Word of God. Prayer. The church. These things are what's important in life. Because at the end of the day, it could be us underneath an overpass. They weren't playing video games over there in Ukraine under that overpass, were they? They, they weren't taking selfies. They were praying and singing because that's what's going to get them through it. That's what's important. Let's all stand this morning. Training kids. Song of invitation, please.